it's very easy to fix such things, but let us get to it, shall we? Hello, it is Tuesday, so you know what that means. It's Television Tuesday, Spyrokin's podcast where we talk about all things television. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjour, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. And I figured I'd try using the the transatlantic accent today to see if that sounds a little bit better. I'm not entirely sure if that should work, but we're going to find out. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Spirekins Television Tuesday is the podcast where we talk about new and recent television shows, and we tell you our initial responses for them. And then after a break, we speak our spoiler section. So if you've not watched the episode, once you hear the music, you can stop and watch the episodes that we talk about. You can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, Facebook, and various other social media websites. Also, if you want to join us on Discord, you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash spiradiscord. That's S-P-I-R-A-D-I-S-C-O-R-D. And you can recommend television shows for us to watch, or you can email me personally at zan, that's X-A-N, at S-P-I-R-A-K-N.com. And with that in mind, let's actually get to it, because... We're talking about an awesome week where we talked about stuff. We're talking about films and TV shows that we've seen from, um, it is the 11th, oh no, sorry, the 10th of February through the 16th. And I've got to say, it has been a very unique week because a lot has happened. And contrary to what I said earlier, one of the shows, I decided not to do a secondary episode where I talked about it by myself because the reaction to the finale was so visceral, so... How would you describe my reaction to that finale? To the finale what? Of Stand. You were very passionate about it. In a positive way or in a very negative way? In a critical way. I think that's a good example of it. But I think you were highly critical. You had a lot of feelings on it. True, but since that happened, let's actually talk about some of the other things, including the mass. Dancer finale. Yes, we're finally up to the Masked Dancer finale. We're not going to go over the entire Masked Dancer last two episodes, but simply put, uh, it was, it was down to the final three, Cotton Candy, Sloth, and Tulip. And I've got to say, I did not guess any of them. However, Greta, you guessed... Maxim Schmerkowski. Yes, the identity of the Sloth. And for those of you who are unaware, the Sloth is our is the one of the only male figure that was there you also had cotton candy and tulip also maxim shermovsky is also a member of dancing with the stars as for our third place winner uh tulip it was Mackenzie ziegler and our winner was cotton candy who was revealed to be gabby douglas and i know this is spoilery however it's a competition show it would have been announced anyway and we weren't i mean a lot of you guys wrote in, you don't want us, re- like... Reviewing it, so we figured it would be yeah. an easier way to discuss such things. However, that's fine and dandy, and well, so let's actually get to the shows we're actually talking about, because we have six shows, and one of them we're actually doing, in the spoiler section, two parts, because I didn't do a spoiler section for that part. So let's actually start off in order. We're talking about Prodigal Son, Season 2, Episode 5, Bad Manners, Star directed by Chris Grismer, and in this episode, there is a mysterious murderer who is killing brides. No, wait, they're not brides, they're... Debutantes! Yes, and this leads to the past of Ainsley, where she was a debutante in the past. We're seeing more and more of Ainsley in the show. And also, Ainsley is slowly going crazy. Er, uh, while this is going on, you have... Jessica trying to fight the fact that her daughter is sociopathic and be like, I'm going to take her away from all this. All will be well once she's away. And Ainsley's like, no, I'm going to solve murders because my brother wants to solve murders. But in reality, I'm borderline murderistic. And Malcolm is trying to deal with all these situations. Not well. Not well at all. This episode was very... I don't want to say heavy-handed, but it was... It's setting up that Ainsley is not well. She is starting to subconsciously remember things. But I challenge that because it's not that they're setting up that she's not well. We already know she killed the guy. She did kill a guy. And now we know that she is... Psycho. She's psychotic, but she's totally killer. Malcolm, who's the one been like, I'm following my father's footsteps now, is like, no, my sister is. And this episode actually completely negated... Everything from the last episode with Martin, where he was like, he got the key card, 
they really didn't touch upon it at all. It's just he was at his cell, and that's all that happened. However, at Jessica kind of admits to him, like, listen, I want to talk to the man that you pretended to be, not you. I need you, the person I married for a couple of minutes. And this leads to an actual point of where you see that he might not be faking his whole secondary personality. We're not sure. But this is setting up a lot for the mid-season finale, which is next week. And I gotta say, I'm apprehensive. I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm enjoying it. But not- it's not to say that... I don't know. It's a good show. I'm liking where it's going. But if you make... Ainsley, a psychopath, also, it's going to go in a weird place. I don't, I don't like the direction that I think it's going in. It is a season a season two flop is starting to happen. It's starting to get that decline that a lot of season twos happen. Uh, like, for example, a good example is Heroes. Heroes season one was amazing, and then season two went to hell. However, Heroes season two dealt with the writer's strike uh, from that year, so that was understandable why the whole second season makes no sense. There's nothing really precipitating this except for the uh, COVID-19 caused some switching with the uh, promotions. Uh, Also, we do get more about what's going on with uh, TJ. He actually is talking to his union, and that is a subplot which they finally resolve in a way which I don't think is satisfying. I think it's a way where there's going to be repercussions when there shouldn't be. I don't know. There's I I feel like they were going down a path of being like social justicey, being kind of like on topic with issues going on in the world right now, and then they dropped it. It went very return to status quo because nothing's going to happen, and it's it's sad that they did that. But we'll talk more about that in the spoiler section. And that noise for those of you who are wondering is I am having some hot chocolate because today seems hot chocolatey day because it's cold. Massachusetts is a cold place. Very cold. Um, and speaking of cold, let's get to the next show, which is Resident Alien, Season 1, Episode 4, Birds of a Feather. Now, this was kind of cool because it was directed by Jay Chandrasekhar, who, uh, for those of you who are familiar with uh, Broken Lizard or Super Troopers, he plays the officer with the mustache. Mustache or moustache? Very true. Moustache. Uh, and this episode is just as funny as last one. This one, it's a little bit different. It deals with the repercussions from something revealed earlier, as well as Harry dealing with the little kid some more. First, he has to deal with a, I've been invited to someone's house and I don't know how to act, to Harry having to visit Astra's family because of reasons. This ep- the series seems like there is a path it should be going on. However, it's not really going anywhere. It's like there's some elements in the background which all of the female actors and actresses it's female strong. Is super strong. All of their narratives are great. Harry's story is garbage right now. It's like he's just fish out of water. There's no progression to it. It's just kind of like, "Oh, look at him being weird." Meanwhile, Three storylines with the female characters are going really well. It's disjointed. It really is. The, the series opener was great. Second episode was okay. Third episode's less. This is a lesser episode. It's a funny episode, but I think they need to fix this somehow. Get it in an order. Figure out what they want to be, because this show doesn't know what it wants to be. It's an adaptation of a miniseries that was dealing with a murder mystery, and the murder mystery they've thrown to the wayside. Like, there's a couple of evidence, but they're just ignoring it, really. The only thing we do know is, okay, so there's a prescription pad that is was stolen on the first one, and that's it. There's no progression to the murderer. There's nothing else going on with that. It's just, okay, here's Astra's story. Here is the... Deputy Sheriff's story, and then Harry's going to act like a lunatic because it's Harry. Because he is. Because he's an alien, and then we have a big twist at the end of the episode. And he has no sensitivity. None, but he's an alien. But I do like that the opening was he's starting to acclimate to human life, 
and it's showing he's starting to be like, I got to get off this planet before things get worse. I liked that they had that, that scene of him like living a regular life with a wife and a baby, a white alien wife and a baby wife. And we do find out that he is a widower, which is, that was interesting that he, his wife died. That's why he joined uh, to do his mission. So, but yeah, we'll talk more about that in the spoilers. But this episode, so Prodigal Son was, uh, it's pivotal, but it's like worth watching once. This one is how on the background. It's not getting better. It real, it's it's not right. Agreed. Yeah, it's. I don't think this is gonna go well. I don't. It's not that it's. It's not up and down like it's. The quality is changing. It's just that it's steadily mediocre. Great concept, it's just mediocre. That's my feelings about it. We'll talk more in the spoiler section. Next, let's get to actually Snowpiercer, Season 2, Episode 4, A Single Trade, directed again by David Frazee. And David Frazee, who directed the last episode, A Great Odyssey, gets this world so well. He's building so much in this world. He's setting up a lot of the commerce and a lot of the issues going on within Snowpiercer. And after what happened last episode with... Melanie going to potentially save the Earth or die trying. It's now a trade happens. It's uh, it is a trade between. There's just a const, but there's a constant trade off. Yes, this is where in order to get um, some supplies and help from Big Alice in exchange, Mister Wilford himself wants to have a night on the town. So they've agreed to have almost a ball for him but it's more about this is going to prove that we're okay it's going to be a celebration for the rest of the train as well we see Leighton actually clean up in this episode like usually he's been wearing just his trench coat t-shirt he is wearing a suit and tie and looks really good in this episode and his story arc is he has to schmooze with uh Mr. Wilford while staying on his toes he asks uh everyone's favorite night car manager to assist him. However, there's a lot of baggage there. There's a ton of baggage there. We'll get to that in the uh, spoiler section because it's kind of horrifying. And the other real big storyline is Till is dealing with this murder case and tension is rising on Snowpiercer. We know that there's people who really but like she's Wilford. Like, she's challenged with dealing with it. She's doing a good job at being the the trained detective, but she's she's now she's struggling, and all the pressure is hitting her. Just everything that's gone wrong is hitting her, so she's stressed the fuck out. Sorry for the language, but she's really stressed out about all of this. She doesn't know what to do, and she's just and she's realizing people are dying, and she wants to fix things. The other storyline is well, on Big Alice, a lot of the people are loyal to Wilford, however, they don't like Wilford. We see more of the, it's a game to him, and they're, okay, we're going to do this because we're surviving, but they, I think that if an opportunity would occur, I think they'd revolt against Wilford. But again, spoiler section, this episode, is this show is still really worth watching. Borrow a friend's account to watch. It's really good, and it's building up some big tension right now. Agreed. All right, and now let's get to the finale for The Stand, uh, Season 1, Episode 9, The Circle Closes, directed by Josh Boone, who directed the first episode. And this was written specifically by Stephen King to make a new coda because he wanted Franny, who is part of the whole group, to have her own momentous ending. And this episode shows the mediocrity of this adaptation by negating... An entire third of the book, which is one of the most compelling sequences to, okay, we're not even going to talk about our show. It just, you know, it's just, it happened. And then the rest is a long coda that he wrote. And then his, his addition for the unabridged version of the novel adapted into some weird insanity. Uh, while on the one hand, we get a great sequence with Whoopi Goldberg, Alexander Skarsgård, and the actress who plays Franny. Overall, this was not really worth it. It was not. It's, it just let down completely. It just, like... My favorite people. Tom Collins. 
I keep saying Collins, but is it Collins? Collins. Collins. Sorry, I keep trying to make him a cocktail. He's my favorite character, and he just kind of peters out. He comes, he finds... They don't even talk about the fact that he spent months nursing him to health. They don't talk about the fact they had to survive the winter. All of that story arc, gone. Because Franny sitting there, and they're talking about things. We're going to get into this, but this was a garbage ending. And overall... This was not even worth having. When you think that the 1994 version did a better job, that's kind of sad. This was a bad adaptation. It really was. Um, Josh Boone doesn't get the story. He he shot it in the foot and made it horrible. I think he tried to look at it from his own perspective, but I don't think it worked. Compare, comparing the last two episodes directorial-wise to this episode... The last two episodes were shot better and they were more cohesive. This episode felt really bad. I think that Josh Boone is not a good director. I don't think he knew what he was doing. I think he was like, I got a kind of an idea. Maybe it'll work. What has he directed that we've liked? I don't think he's... I don't know what he's directed. I really don't... I Well, let's look him up quickly using the power of the interwebs. You can pause it. Or are you just going to edit? No, 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 no. They can hear. They can hear behind the music. So, Josh Boone has directed The New Mutants, the movie which apparently did terrible. He also wrote The New Mutants. We didn't see that, though. No, we did not. Uh, he also directed The Cat in the Moon, stuck in, he directed The Fault in Our Stars. Okay, well, I've seen The Fault in Our Stars. And a couple other movies which I've never heard of, which are like D-list movies and books. Okay, so he definitely has a specific style. Um, yeah, no. He was the wrong director for this. I just didn't care for it. No. It, he he did a horrible job. We'll get more into it in the Explorer section, but yeah, this was bad. Really bad. Um, this wasn't even worth... The series as a whole was not even having on was having on the background. This episode was utter garbage. It's, it's He spent... I wanted to fix things for 20 years. You didn't fix anything. It's literally the same ending, just you added a, a sentence about Franny in a, in a interaction with her. That's all you did. Stephen King, you can't write endings, and this is a bad ending. Anyway, so now let's get on to the show that is so interesting and so great. And this episode is a spooky episode, because it's a Halloween episode, even though... Reasons. We're talking about WandaVision, Season 1, Episode 6... All new Halloween Spooktacular, directed by Matt Shakeman again, and this show is getting more and more intriguing, and this episode is to the style of Malcolm in the Middle, where it's kind of that, it's multiple cameras, but you, they constantly are pseudo-breaking the fourth wall, saying, hey, here's what's going on right now. You know, this person's doing this, this person's doing that, and it's a Halloween episode, and the best thing about this is, this episode, we get all the characters in their actual comic outfits, and that's really cool. Seeing Vision and Wanda and the twins in their costumes. And also, we cannot forget uh, Pietro, who shows up. Yes, it's Evan Peters. That's the big spoiler everyone knows about. But he shows up as Quicksilver, and he dresses up as Quicksilver. And a lot happens this episode with them, besides the Halloween stuff. On the real world, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Also, uh, the sword uh, director, Haywood, makes a move, which is going to mess things up. We find out some intrigue and this episode also has a lot of questionable fourth wall breaking that's in a way which is very different what do you think about uh the all new halloween spooktacular with how wanda is doing i with wanda and vision and the story you're starting i'm starting to see the cracks it was beyond the cracks because vision essentially defies wanda in this episode and there's a line, which is the one little spoiler we're going to say. He He's not doing what Wanda wants, but he's like, and listen, honey, be good. And that's a, I, it's almost like the kiss of death. Like, I don't trust you anymore, but I want to trust you. Like, their relationship is done, I think, at this point. I don't think it's done. I think it's like, there's a fight. There's strain. This is, this is, I think they're on their last ropes at this point, which is strange from the first episode of when they were so lovey-dovey. And they loved each other so much, and now it's just so resistant. If that makes sense. 
It does. It does make sense. And we want them to do good. They're such a good couple. And I, and Evan Peters being the... You think he's being antagonistic? Well, he admitted he's... Uh, that's spoilers. We, we'll talk more about this in the spoiler section. This is still really, really, really effing cool. Freaking cool show. Definitely yes. worth watching. It just... The only thing which sucks about it is that it ends so fast. It's like, we're done! Next episode. We want this to, to be a full story. I want it to be a movie. It's movie quality. Yes. It really is. And this if this is the quality of show we're going to get from the MCU, I'm excited for all their shows. I really am. Uh, also, one thing is the actor playing Jimmy Woo, he is kicking ass now. He went from being kind of nebbish. Um, he was underutilized in Ant-Man. He was, But he's now kick-ass. Yes. I gotta say, he's kick-ass. Oh, also fun kick-ass reference. Nice kick-ass reference in that. All right. Anyway, so let's get to the last one um, we're talking about. God bless you. Sorry. It is the season finale for The Watch. And better... Uh, see, uh, so the season finale of The Watch. It's not... Better to Light a Candle by Emma Sullivan. And wow, this show has done a complete one. It went from, this is a sh- crappy show, to this is a really compelling and good show. Uh, it's not what I expected. No, this ending is, Carcer has everything he needs to summon the dragon and kill everybody, and the watch is now being chosen to either uh, sit on their butts or try and save the day, and they're going to try one more thing to save the day. Will it work? Will it not work? And will there be a cliffhanger for the end of the season? Yes. I want there to be another season of this. I really do. I think this is a really well done show. I would like if they do another if they do another season, us to get some of the other characters involved. I think everybody stand out in it. Um, the actor they have for Sam Vimes does such a great job. Richard Domer does a great job as Sam Vimes and how we've seen him grow up from the drunk jerk to this really strong, passionate captain who's the one from the books. He's evolved into this. It took him a while to get here. I think most... But now he's here. Most of the actors have grown on you, on everybody. Uh, I will say that besides Vimes, the other standout character, I would say, is Sybil Ramkin, who is played by Laura Rossi, who does a great job with her. Makes her very... She has a cause, and she wants things to go well. Yes. And she has a great comic timing. She has excellent comic timing. But this is this was a great ending of the show. So, out of the main cast, is there anybody that you would think would have been a... What is the word? Uh, is the weakest link of the show. I mean, we have, out of our main cast, there's Sam, Lady Ramkin, Carrot, Angua, Cheery, Death... Uh, Carcer wants uh, Spike, which Spike, I'm surprised Spike's in there, but Spike, and uh, we cannot forget um, Lord Vetinari. Should be a Lady Vetinari because of the weirdness. Um, weakest Link. I used to think the Weakest Link was Cherry, but Cherry's like awesome. Cherry, yeah, Cherry has grown on me. I still am confused with the whole not a dwarf thing, but whatever. They could have used force perspective. They could have done something for the height, but whatever. I'm fine with it. Um, Lady Lord Vetinari, I think, is my weakest link. Yeah, Lord Vetinari, from such an imposing character in the books, in such a great and manipulator. That, that actress, I love her. I love her in Four Weddings and a Funeral. I love her in a lot of different things. I love her as an actress. I don't like this character. You think it's because it was written for a man? Or do you think it's just that she doesn't embody the character of I'm manipulating everything and have plans upon plans upon schemes? Um, no, I don't think it's like... You mean like is it is it written as a you want, you want to hate this person kind of thing? I don't think that's why I don't like it. I think it's... I don't know, it's just... I, I see what you're saying because I agree. I think that she that they adapted the character very poorly because Lord Vetinari in the novels is someone who is control in control at all time. 
is super scheming and no matter what, there's always a backup plan. And you feel that and you feel the imposing nature. In this one, yeah, there's a couple of scenes of Lord Vetinari being, I have a backup plan, here's what we're going to do, you're going to do the opposite of what I say, do you get it? And that's kind of there, but I don't feel it. Um, Lord Vetinari has been played by two other actors, and when you see how Charlie Dance played it in the Going Postal miniseries, that's Lord Vetinari. It's just the very calculating, very... No one would dare go against Lord Vetinari. This, it seems like everyone doesn't isn't in fear of this character. It's like none of the none of the guild leaders are afraid of them. Yeah. Just there's a if it's not broke, don't fix it. This is one of those times. There are tons of female characters that you could have brought into uh, Discworld into into this show. You didn't have to change a character's identity just to make it fit. However, this show did a great job for what it was. And if this was a one-season experiment, I'm happy where it ended. A little disappointed that it's a cliffhanger, but I'm happy where it ended. Yeah, I also, like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not happy with how it ended. You don't like cliffhangers, though? No. No. So, overall, I think this is... oh. Uh, borrow, for, borrow friends passcode to watch. It's really worth watching. Give it a chance. Yeah, the first two it's episodes worth are watching. rough. You need to have some patience and build and like get into the world. It takes a while for it to like take off. And if you're aware of the concept that this is not Terry Pratchett's world, it's a different dimension that's rivaling it. And the only characters that really are from the original Disc World are Death and the Auditors. Besides that, everybody else is like a different version. That's all you have to think about. And it'll make sense. And you can you can relate to it. Death is awesome in this. Death is still hysterical. And I love Death how- is one of my favorite characters in this, actually. I, he has the, one of the best lines in the episode, but we'll talk about that in a spoiler section. However, that actually, speaking of which, we're actually done with the non-spoilery section. I know we talked a little bit about things, but we'll get into the more gritty parts in a moment. Um... If you haven't watched episodes, this music is your time to to turn off and listen to other things. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Stay tuned for next week because we have a lot of cool shows and we may be adding some stuff. As usual, I'm Zan. I'm Greta. We'll catch you guys next time. Stay tuned for the spoiler section and see you later. Bye.
Spoiler time! Yay! So let's actually get to this. Let's start with the watch. And I... One of the biggest stingers or Easter eggs for this is the theme song for the show has made no sense at all. The only time we've ever really heard it is the opening and occasionally Good Boy sings it. And... This episode, the dragon's coming to kill us all. What are they going to do? Uh, first off, Lord Vetinari is going to be put in prison because Lord Vetinari is very bad. And when she goes to the prison to be put in her cell, what is her cell? It's like this, like, paradise. It's this beautifully decorated, posh, comfy environment. Essentially, it's a fallout shelter for when everything goes to hell. Yeah. And she's perfectly fine with sacrificing everybody else. And it just comes across i mean that's something lord vetinari would totally do but it feels weird and also it does not fit the universe it's very red and strange looking and just it's very boudoir yes it's very boudoir and uh like a lady's dressing room that's a good way to put it because she's a lady yes even though she's a she's a lord whatever um everybody's trying to not Listen to the watch while the watch is trying to save everybody. Things are going wrong. Carcer ends up killing Wants because Wants is like, you can't do this. Don't be a bad person. You should be a good person. This is wrong. You could stop and just, it'll be okay. And Carcer's like, no, you'll all die and I'll be fine. Because that's what he wants. He's a very cowardly, I think. One of my favorite things is... Um... During the episode, when they end up back at the watch headquarters, some of the lights are off on the front of the building. Yes, and it says, watch us, because things are going to hell, because he summons a dragon, and the dragon ends up attacking him, killing him, also absconding with Cheery. They want to get revenge on him. He's been locked up. Wants has been injured. She was bleeding out. They save her. And they don't know what to do. They're like, we're dead. We're going to be screwed. And Cheery shows up after being saved and explains that the dragon is lonely and they need some help. So they got to call it. And what's been roaring isn't a roar. It's a song. And it's the same. But we heard from Good Boy that Good Boy's been singing a song. So they decide they're going to reform the what and play the song and hopefully get the dragon to come by and they could fix the dragon. And Death has asked to be a member of their band. That was Which awesome. I thought was super cute. It's like, can I join your band? And they're like, no. <laughs> like, no. I wish they, they had said yes. That would have been fun. However, they they uh, summon the, the big dragon with the music. It's going to burn them all, but then Good Boy comes, saves the day in a really awkward moment, and they fix things. However, because they save the day, the auditors, who said that if Carcer did this, he would survive because they took him out of time. Because of that, they've audited him out of reality. The only person who sees him disintegrate is Wants. And now because of that, everything changed and Carcer no longer exists throughout the multiverse. So the girl who likes him... Wants. Wants. Has seen this happen... And is out of the time loop that everyone forgot. And now everyone thinks that Wants is the bad guy. And the murderer and the all of it. And and she was like, I'm going to help you guys out because I want to save the day. I'm a good person. And now because of this, we've now set up a vi- new villain because of what the auditors did. But I think that they knew. I don't know. Perhaps they did know what they were doing because they... Because she essentially held them hostage saying like, yeah, I'm the only one who knows you guys exist and I'll start talking. It may drive me crazy, but what are you going to do? And now she's the big bad. Uh, Sybil and Sam have their almost romantic moment where they meet up, they talk, they're going to kiss. The Assassin's Guild shows up and they end up getting into a fight with Sybil while Sam is trying to clean himself up. In a very funny scene that's very parodied. Like he ends up dropping something. He falls over. Meanwhile she's ducking under something. And then they go to meet up. And they're going to kiss. And he's like um you have a fork in your back. She's like oh well look at that. She go- She's like when you- if you come back I know you're mine. And then he gets zapped to the auditors. And we find that Wants is the big bad. And that's where the series the season ends. What's going to happen? We don't know. I will say, I do like some of the other elements in this episode. Carrot pretty much tells Angua how he feels. 
which was very sweet. He was practicing on how to say it to the mirror, and she was on the other side of the wall. Listening to him because she... So, so she knows. She likes him. That's a good point. Uh, Angwa does a good job. Cheery's... Eh, Cheery's Cheery. It was a good episode for her, him, them. And I don't know. Just in the end of the episode, they're recruiting more people for the watch. Hopefully we can get some of the other characters involved. We can get some of the more, like, Nobby Knob, who is, like, the most inhuman human ever. Because they think, he's technically human, maybe, kind of. And we can get some of the other female watch members. I don't know. The show is good. I just, I don't know if it's going to, because of the first couple episodes, I don't know if they're going to get a second season. I hope they do, but I'm not sure. What do you think? I think they will. Uh, well, fingers crossed. We'll see. So now let's get to WandaVision. So the episode opens up with uh, Malcolm in the Middle style opening. And then it's Pietro is sleeping on the couch. And Tommy comes down dressed up as Wiccan, which was really cool. And Billy is just kind of being a jerk-faced brother. We see some references to the 90s, like they have a DDR pad. And they're, yes. talk- and they're excited because today's going to be a good day. And first off, Wanda comes down in her full comic book outfit saying she's a Sokovian fortune teller. And then Vision comes down in his outfit and it's really looking cool. And he, he says that he's dressed up as a Mexican wrestler. But more importantly, she's like, I'm really glad that you dressed up like this. Well, it's the only clothes that were in my closet. So there's already tension going on. Like, a lot of tension. And Pietro is scares the kids, runs after them, and it's like, he's like the goofy uncle. He's being very goofy, and it's going to be, they're all going to go out for Halloween. It's going to be great. Pietro's getting eggs, uh, uh, shaving cream, everything is going to be good. And Vision's like, listen, I'm going to be with the neighborhood watch. I'm going to make sure everything's safe in the town. And she's like, no, you're supposed to be... And he's like, I'm supposed to be What? And she's like, fine. And he's, and Pietro's like, well, listen, uh, they need a male figure. I get what's going on. I'll, Uncle Pete's here. Uncle P's here. I'll save the day. He's like, he's like, good show. And then Vision tells her, be good, and leaves. And you get a moment of her looking really just like, I, I messed up. And it's like a forlorn look when she looks as the door closes. Like, she's, she knows she messed up. And she could fix it. But the minute she turns around... Pietro's like, rah, 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 and scares her out of it. And he seems to constantly be tr- turning things up on them. Yeah, so there's definitely something there. And then throughout the episode, she's constantly saying, hey, do you remember that XYZ? She's testing him. And he says, what, you, you test me? I get it. I look different. Last time we saw each other, I got shot like a, gang- like a gangster for no reason, which that's kind of strange because that wasn't the case. He got shot saving Hawkeye. It wasn't for no reason. He took the bullets to save Hawkeye, who who gave him a chance. So, something's weird there, but he ends up doing that. And it's off. We all know it's off. Darcy knows it's off. She's like, they recast Pietro? Yeah. And like, it, there's something there. And at one point, he straight up says, he's like, you know, I gotta ask you, uh, where do you hide the kids? What do you mean? I know they're probably sleeping in their bed, but it, and he says he knows it's a fake world. Essentially, he's like, I know you're not going to hurt them, but where were they? Where where have they all been? It's like, aren't and she's like, aren't you mad? I. He's like, no, I'm totally happy you did this. Well, listen, she's I'm like, it's awesome. It's like I'm not a stranger. I'm not your husband. Tell me how you did it. And it's really weird that he knows, and it's very strange. And at one point, she looks because at him. She's just figuring out that she knows it. Yeah, and she turns, looks at him, and he's a zombie form. And the end of the episode, well, we'll get to that in a moment. It's what's going on with Vision, because Vision isn't on Neighborhood Watch. And she finds out he's not on Neighborhood Watch. He lied to her, because he's going around. He's invest. He's doing his own investigation. He's trying to see what's going on. He notices little inconsistencies, like there's lots of kids around. Everyone's having fun. However, the further away from where Wanda is, things are messing up. She sees people stuck in loops doing the same things, and they're, like, crying. And then way out in the distance, nobody is moving at all. They're all just completely frozen. 
And at one point, he, he flies up, looks at the city, sees that the brightest part of the city is where Wanda is. Everywhere else is kind of like the lights are dimming. And there's a car randomly in the corner, goes to it, and it's Agnes. And she's, apparently she was trying to like leave town or something. Not... She made a wrong turn, supposedly. And she, but, but In the town that she always grew up in. And the crazy part is that everyone else, they're not talking unless he zaps them. Like, everyone's frozen on the outskirts. She's talking, which is really weird. It's, like, pained. But she's able to talk, and then he zaps her, and she acts hysterical, like, Oh my god, you're one of the Avengers. You'll save the day. We're okay. No, but you're dead. No, you're not. You're dead. No, she, she says, but does that mean I'm dead? Because you're dead. And then she screams out, dead, dead, and then does a witch's laugh, which is, and then he's like, turns back to normal, and she drives off. So it's, something's off with Agnes, but he knows what's going on. He's going to go outside the border, and going back outside the border, we find out that Haywood uh, is very, you didn't know what's going on. You, I had to protect people while you were gone. Like, he's treating her like she's an enemy. Who's her? Uh, Monica's an enemy. He's like, you're, he's like, you don't know what's going on. And he, it's almost like he was saying, you lefties, which was weird. Lefties? Like, the people who left... Like, they don't understand what we have. Oh, you don't get it because you don't know what it took to keep the lights on. Yeah, he's very, like, you left. And and your mother would be so uh, disappointed in you for not having the strength to do what's needed to be done. Because it turns out he has a whole other plan. So he fires Darcy and Monica and Jimmy and has them essentially, they're going to be escorted off, maybe be killed. And Jimmy and Monica escape. And Darcy's like, why don't you tell me the plan? I could have helped. They sneak back on and they find uh, Darcy hacks into the uh, sword database. And I gotta say, I'm liking this new Darcy. She's not useless. She's a lot better than she was in Thor: The Dark World. Because Thor: The Dark World, she was, she was really bad. I think she. W- I don't think she was really bad in it. I think she was underutilized. Probably. I think that they made her like more comic relief, but this one she's more competent and she's getting across and she's finding out what's going on. Also, she does tell Monica, you can't go through the, the gate again because your molecular structure is messed up. You've already gone through twice. and it's rewritten you twice. And the thing is, we if you're a comic book fan, you know Monica Rambeau was the second Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Spectrum, a.k.a. Photon, a.k.a. Uh, Captain Universe, a.k.a. She's had like 15 different monikers, so yeah. She's going to become a superhero. We know she's going to be a superhero. So this is probably the catalyst for how she becomes a superhero. Or maybe she's going to become... or she, Because it's going she's to not bitten mutants. by a radioactive spider. She's going to go through Wanda's hex field. Probably. But it's setting up how that... How did she get her powers in comic books? I don't remember. It's I'm not a fan of Monica Rambo. I've never been. Uh, all I know is she's very... Um, she was the leader of the Avengers. And then when in the next wave comics, she's very like... Did she tell you that she was president, leader of the Avengers? Yeah, she says she was chairman of the Avengers. That's her one go-to constantly. Every time she's like, she's like, I don't have to deal with this. I was the co-chairman of the... You're like, oh, come on. It's like she's annoying. Uh, but she's better in this. She really is. I like how she's done in this. Um, she does mention that she has a aeronautic engineer friend who's going to build her a device to get into the hex. Now, I'm hoping it's Reed Richards. I am hoping it's Reed Richards, because that would be awesome. Let me get the Fantastic Four in. I have to wait and see. Just fingers crossed. But, so they're going to go meet their friend, and uh, Darcy's going to stay, because she's hacking into Haywood's files, and something's going on, and she finds a secret file that says Cataracts. Now, I'm thinking Cataracts, Vision, has to do with Vision. Also, they're tracking Vision with his depleted... Vibranium, which and what does what does a cataract do? It impairs your vision. Yeah, so maybe they're doing something with vision. But the weird thing is, they had he didn't tell them that he had every single individual marked in this in the city. Like he found all of them, so he could see in there. He never told them because something's wrong with Haywood. I'm thinking he's there's a hidden agenda. He's probably aim. I'm betting you he's aim. I mean, it might not be aim, but I'm hoping it's aim. I don't want it to be scrolls or. You know, that would be stupid. However, getting off topic. I don't think it being scrolls would be stupid, per se. I mean, they're setting up for Secret Invasion. That's the next big TV 
miniseries that's big with Nick Fury, so could be scrolls, but I don't think it is. I'm not sure. Um but Darcy finds out that Vision's leaving the hex. She runs out. They capture her, tie her up to a thing because she sees that the minute Vision leaves the hex, he's able to communicate, but the the hex is dragging him back. And it's kind of a more horrifying version of the snap. It's like pulling him apart. He's dying really horrifying. And Haywood's like, like shredding him, smiling like, oh, he did want to come back. And like really creepily. And because he gets hurt, Billy knows what's going on because billy can hear everything uh his telepathic ability he knows that his dad's in trouble tells wanda and wanda just straight up expands the hex and how far it is well, we her don't know pietro says something snippy like oh, he's, um, oh well, he your says, husband can't die again your dead husband can't die twice and then she blasts him she's and she's pissed and she goes to save him and uses all of her magic. She throws him to the wayside and expands the hex, goes to save him and confronts Hayward. Well, we don't see him, her. We just see him just expand the hex. And the thing is, Hayward tries to run away. He's driving away. And everybody who's stuck in the hex, it's funny because all the sword agents become clowns and like circus people. Which is hilarious. And Darcy, since she's tied up to a, a thing, is like, oh, fudge. <laughs> And that's where the episode ends. There's a lot to go on. Like, how far did she expand the hex? Did she expand the whole planet? What's going on? Who's the villain? Also, fun fact, the commercial we didn't talk about, Yo Magic. It's one of those old school claymation uh, commercials. It talks about Yo Magic. And we see some a kid like starving on an island. And a shark comes and says, Yo Magic will help you out. And he's trying to open the Yo Magic. And he just dies. After like days. So I'm wondering if this is saying that someone's feeding off her magic or magic won't sustain you. Like, she's killing everybody by using her powers. Like, she's focused on a little thing, but it's not going to save her. I don't know. Or it could be, no, it's not going to stave off death. We don't know. It's an interesting premise. Don't know where it's going to go, but I'm excited. I love this show, and I cannot wait to see how it ends. All right. So from there, let's get to let's get the other one out of the way. Yeah, so so the circle closes. Yeah, so as I said, all the stuff with Stu and Tom and Kojak written out. It's just Franny saying it's been a couple of months since that happened. I don't know what's happening. My baby got uh, Captain Trips, but he got better. All's well. Things are getting kind of weird here. It shows people kind of getting weapons together, but not really. Focusing on anything bad happening. And then she goes to a, like a prayer meeting. Because she's her kid is the, the first kid born after the Captain Trips. She's ready to go. And Stu just magically appears. And then it shows like six months later. Uh, more people are coming to Boulder. And the world is becoming normal again. But because of that, people are afraid that things are going to get bad again. So she and Stu well, are going to... Well, it starts to get more populated, and they don't know everybody. It's not this tiny town anymore. But they're saying that things are reverting back to being bad, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of the premise that all the bad people were killed. Yes, there will be evil, but it shouldn't be like, immediately, we're all evil again. It's It just kind of, immediately, we're back to... It should be like, if it was like three years later, I'd get it. But it's like, ten, uh, three months later. But... I digress. So they decide they're going to go back to Massachusetts, see how it is, and maybe they'll come back. Which oh, I thought they were going to Maine. Cause sorry, Maine. They're going to there. Maine. Which, that part makes no sense. It's like, they they have no doctor, no nothing. If they get injured or die on the way there, they're screwed. That's why it was a big decision. And, like it, and what, are they going to just have kids and then the kids marry each other? I mean, they have to come back someday anyway. Well, civilization is expanding. It just, the, the, the reason made no sense, and they abandoned Tom, which is a really sad moment. It's our last sequence with Tom. Just, it doesn't fit. It really doesn't. They also, they introduce Lucy, who was um, Larry's girlfriend in the, in the book, who ends up becoming uh, Leo slash Joe's mom. It's like, oh, and he's like, oh, you t- uh, Lucy mom will take care of you. Out of nowhere again, it's one of those moments of, this was in the book, and you just kind of... 
stories are never as rich as they are in the book because the book books can take so much more time creating more of a universe where television you have to be like television movies you have to be kind of spoon fed so things get cut things get clipped but this was not clipped this was any real reader will tell you that the book is always better no obviously like we know true but they but they but this wasn't even that it's like could have said oh uh stay close to your adopted mom something like that not the it's the used phrases that were like pivotal in the book that were like used over and over again for like a one line or like the paydays from three episodes ago it's like but too at little, the same time, late. so here's my flip on that. At the same time, that's kind of like, um, th- those are Easter eggs if you read the book. True. And they're just things if you didn't read the book. But they didn't add to the... It's so, like, so my thing is, it's like watching WandaVision. If you haven't seen all of the stuff, didn't know all the stuff from the comic books, it's just, that's just a commercial for a toaster. You know, it means something, but eh, it's just a, it's just a well-timed commercial. So my thing is... It should incite those who have read the book to be irritated, but it's a nod to that. It's an Easter egg for you. It's a poorly done Easter egg. I'll give it that. Um, from there, they drive back to Maine, and you actually see their travel to Maine. They stop by a mysterious house, which, for those of you who've read the books, you know that's Mother Abigail's house. But we don't know that. Uh, they set a whole sequence where she ends up falling into a well when Stu goes to get supplies. And she has to deal with... Uh, Randall Flagg, who straight up tempts her, says, I can fix you because you fell in the hole. You're going to be hurt, but I'll fix you up. All I want is a kiss and the opportunity to look through your eyes every now and then. Uh, She says no and is saved. And she's Mother Abigail. Mother Abigail says she's going to have five five children. And they're going to have lots of kids. She's going to live to see 14 of her grandkids. And she gets healed up. That's the new sequence, and it's a and there's a point where Randall Flag actually like brings in like shows the Aboriginal tribe and says, "Listen, this is the last touched untouched tribe. They're safe. They're good." And this is from the original book. This moment that they have that where he shows up and tempts them, and I think that just having him tempt in his dream would have been just better. This sequence, because there's a scene early on when we found that Randall Flag's still alive. It shows Vegas. All this debris, and then we see the smiley button with a blank face with two X's for eyes. And then we hear ding, and the eyes turn into eyes again. Yeah. That should have been the end of the episode. That scene, but they did not. Instead, it's... uh, That's the end of the episode if they're going to do another season, I think. Because that, to me, that's like a spoiler, a cliffhanger. That's a... But the ending is anyways, it's a cliffhanger, spoiler, it's, it's... Randall Flag washes up on the Aboriginal island. Uh, he ends up telling them to worship him after he blows one's head off. And yeah, it. The scene with Alexander Skarsgård and the girl playing Franny is really well done. It's tense, it's charismatic, and it shows why he was a great choice for Randall Flag. Comparatively to last episode, it's two different characters. Yeah. It just this. It it was. I'll be honest. It was a waste of time. I think you hate it because you read the book. No, I hate it because it was poorly done. I don't think it was as bad as you think it is. I don't. I didn't love it. I didn't enjoy it. There was other people that I in it that I liked more. I wanted to see more of other other aspects of it. But no, like there are major points that they should have focused on. They did. You know, it's it's a show about good and evil. Yes, but then focusing seven of the ten episodes on Harold as the main villain when he's not the main villain when he's a footnote. It just, it was very disjointed. If this was multiple seasons, maybe it would have been salvageable. It was not. Thank goodness, no more The Stand. So now, let's get to Snowpiercer. And Snowpiercer is going to be interesting because, first off, last week's episode, we didn't talk spoilers. But a grand odyssey. Turns out that uh, Melanie is going to get off of Snowpiercer and Alexandra is going to help her. Meanwhile... Uh, turns out that Till has to search for the murderers, and and Layton has to deal with kind of fencing with uh, Wilford verbally, and the whole sequence is it's a power play. It's a power struggle. The main point of this is to build a relationship between Melanie and Alexandra, which is really cool. That part of the episode is great. Then we have Layton and Layton. Dealing with the fact that Josie's still alive and he has to gain her trust again. 
them also getting up the mountain. There's that sequence. And the end reveal is that uh, Melanie is left alone, having to get to a power station so she can get there for a month, research, find out where the perfect place that's defrosting is, and life will be good. That's her point. And Till has discovered that the murderer is a Wilford fanatic, and she thinks it's the Brakemen, and we find out that the Brakemen have been neutral. They don't want to be involved in the new future because of Mr. Wilford, but they're going to be loyal to Mr. Wilford. And that's leading to issues later on. Also, Ruth has forgiven Melanie, kind of. Yeah. And in this episode, we learn more about what is going on now. First off, LJ is janitor, and she's plotting. As of course, she's like slimy. LJ's plotting. Um, Mr. Wilford has offered use of the two doctors to fix anyone who has frostbite. And we wonder how he knows about what's going on. Like how he knows that Josie is involved. And that's a big deal because the question is, how does he know about Josie? Because she was never on the manifest also. Because she was a tailie. That means that there is a spy that's been the entire time has been a spy. And able to communicate. Yes, which is the issue. I'm curious who is the big villain or the big spy. We're not sure. We're not going to find out. Uh, there's civil unrest going on on the train. Melanie has officially disappeared. They don't know if she's alive or dead because she's going to the station. What else was going on? Um, we have the big party, which we talked about earlier, which is going to happen. That it's in exchange for the doctors helping all the frostbitten patients. They are. Uh, Wilford wants to go to the night car for a night of fun. So they say, we're going to have a big party in your event. And it's a huge show. And Layton is dressed to the nines. Uh, Zara now working with the hospitality because there's a whole power play there going on. Because Zara is still in it for Zara. Because Ruth, like, I want to trust Layton. She's like, I want to trust Layton, but he doesn't trust me. So how can you trust somebody who doesn't trust you? Yeah. That's her whole struggle. I think he trusts her because he let her. He told her exactly what was in the note. He didn't say anything else. There was no other BS. But yeah, he doesn't trust her. She doesn't trust him. There's... And he doesn't do the same song and dance protocol wise that... She does. She wants to uphold order. She's hospitality she wants to you know he's replying to the note she's like this isn't the right stationery you know she she cheats and she reads what he wrote on it and she like rolls her eyes and is in a huff you know we find out because all Leighton wrote on it was what do you want on mm. the wrong stationery not a nice handwriting but he's he's trying he he knows what he's doing it's all intentional everything he does is intentional well Leighton not really he's thinking no, everything Leighton does is intentional. Everything he does has purpose. Uh, that may have a point there. But he's trying to keep things together, trying to keep order. And a lot of people do trust him still, but he's lost some, some pull. But with Josie being there by his side, that's helping. Zara helping. So he's working with the groups. Uh, we're getting more of a sense of Till, getting a sense of loss in the episode. And the big thing is Ms. Audrey. She's in charge of the night car. She's terrified of Mr. Wilford, which is weird, but we, long story short, we're just going to rush through it. After she, she, she Layton convinces Miss Audrey to kind of get back in a relationship with him so they can control him. But we find out that while she does have a control over Mr. Wilford, in the grand scheme of things, he's in charge. He still has control over her. He, we see a scar on Miss Audrey's wrist a long scar like she tried to kill herself we think oh maybe up her forearm maybe not just her wrist yeah, maybe she tried to kill herself and failed maybe something else we find out that he did what he did uh mr wilford did to her what he did to kevin forced her to cut her own wrist got into the bath and it's really disturbing that's the case and it's sad it really is um, but she's now involved with him again. Uh, the party goes off without a hitch. Uh, Melanie is okay. Everybody's really happy with that. Uh, LJ becomes quote-unquote friends with 
Yeah, Alex. but they but they agree to not be friends. They said that because they're just being stupid. They're like, oh, we're best enemies, like that. Yeah, it's a teenage girl thing. It's a frenemy thing. Uh, Murray, the last Australian, is no longer the last Australian. He meets the uh, a female last Australian, and she's not just from not from Sydney. She's from a tiny little place he also knew of. So it's kind of like we hope he does well. I want them to get together. So out of the four, um, the three individuals that were sent to, went to the party because it was three people went to the party with Mister Wilford. It was three members of the crew plus um, Alex and uh, the security lady who's a complete bitch. I don't remember her name. They really haven't said her name. I think one time they did. But she's just really just, she's the worst part of hospitality. She's not hospitality. She's like, I'm really gruff and mean. She's more security guard than anything else. Like, I see Bob has more personality than she does. <laughs> Maybe. But she's there. No one's talk, talking to her about it. We'll say, though, that one of the most tragic scenes is when you see everybody on the crew, they don't like Wilford. Uh, when he does his announcements in the morning, half of them turn it off. They don't want to hear his conspiracy theories. He's like, well, just stay the line and then I'll get back what's mine. And it's like, not the, I'll reward you, it's, or ours. It's, it's mine. You're my servants, family. It's like, he's the, the demonic head of a family. And they don't give a shit about what he does. It's just, we're going to do what you say because you're, you're keeping us alive. Rah, rah, rah. But the sequence of everybody eating the fresh vegetables is so heartbreaking. It's like the first episode all over again when Leighton got the grilled cheese. Yeah, from... What's the second train called? Big um, Bertha? Uh, the Big Alice people. The Big Alice people. Yeah, as they're eating all of the like fresh vegetables and food. And he's like, oh, I gave you the fresh... Like, no, you didn't. I promised you there'd be fresh food... Fresh vegetables and it's it's leading to a head it really is but now we know that there's spies on both sides um there's more issues going on with the brakemen the brakemen and the tailies have been fighting back and forth there's big war between them setting up it's it's again building up to be a powder keg again but this time it's not as compressed as it was last time where it's one side of the train versus the other it's now just little factions are fighting among each other and they gotta stick together Right? Well, the Taylors now have like a little tri- chip on their shoulder because now they're the border guards. But they're they're working hard and they're going through. It's just a couple of the opportunists are having issues. And also one of their members wanted to start a shop as a repair person and they took her hand. So they're, they want vengeance. They're not civilized. They're trying to be, but they're not. Actually, that's not true. They are very civilized. It's just that the Taylors have gone from being in war mode to let's try to be civil but this has set them back into war mode and with Leighton being like listen we gotta work together they're like no are you a tailie or are you not a tailie and he's he's a passenger he's now a passenger in first class he's king Leighton but they're all but my thing is they're all passengers yeah he wants them all to survive and if things work out, we'll... Because he sees the bigger picture and everybody else is like, no, I'm a tailie. It's like, okay, yeah, but you need the train to survive if you're going to survive. And that's the thing. They need the train to survive. And as we know, Wilford doesn't want the train to survive. He just wants to have it to be his blaze of glory. Just It's for him only. And then when he dies, that's it. Anyway, I'm excited for the next episode. This show is still good. Yes. Um, resident next we're up to is uh, resident alien birds of a feather like we said episode had a lot going on um, first off the deputy found a doorknob that was kind of important because that's a doorknob that Harry ripped off when he threw the real Harry Vanderhausen into the lake and she's like this is important and sh- sh- uh, Sheriff Big Black's like nope I know better because my balls are always right. And he's and Harry's like, no, your balls are nuts. Which is funny and a hysterical joke, and he doesn't know why it's a joke. He doesn't get why it's a joke, but it's a funny joke. Um, so she's going to, she feels let go because he treats her like an idiot when she's actually really smart and does care. So that is going on. Meanwhile, we have 
Astra dealing with the fact that her daughter, she doesn't acknowledge her daughter exists, but her daughter exists, and uh, she's going to meet her great, her adopted grandma for a big party, and that part's cool because Harry goes with them because they need someone to give the grandma a shot in her, her back, and he's like... The doctor has to do it. Yeah. But he, he sees them all together, and they're all treating him like family, and he's like, I get it. It's humans... They need the connection. And he gets the connection and he's kind of liking it. Like he knows he has to destroy them all, but he's, he's, maybe he's starting to regret that his mission. He oh. just wants to go home, but his wife is dead. So there is no such thing as home. Yes. That's why he took that mission. Yes. And meanwhile, the little kid uh, invite, uh, deals with him, actually treats him really good. And they actually, for a moment, he's like, I'm sorry I was mean to you. And he actually is like, sorry. The, he's like, he gets a kid, sees him. And he thinks maybe we could have a relationship. I could be cool to you. But the kid was just doing that so he could get his keys. And then him and his little girlfriend could break in the house. And then they both get knocked out because they touch one of his alien things. So he knows that they're both, they both lied to him and... They're still alive. And the minute he's going to take care of them, the real Harry Van, the real Harry's wife shows up. He's like, but and he has no idea who she is. He's like, uh, in the trailer for next episode, he's like, you sound like James Bond. I'm like, because oh. she's British. Yeah. This is going to be a fun, hopefully a funner episode. Uh, one last thing. Uh, Harry spills the beans about, about uh, Astra. Astra's daughter and the family is very upset about it. Understandably so. So there's some great elements to it, but the show's still, yeah. And then Prodigal Son uh, turns out the murderer was the debutante school's uh, hidden daughter, who's a crazy person. And as the, she, as Malcolm's being held hostage, actually, not Malcolm, as Ainsley's being held hostage. She actually wakes up and is going to just straight up kill this girl. And Malcolm's like, no, don't do that. You're better than this. And it's like, oh, so she, it's like, oh, I didn't know what was going on. No, either she's faking and she knows what's going on or she is completely nuts. Or like for example, she's completely dissociative at this point. She has two personalities. Yes. So, yeah, so not sure. Good show, but spinning its wheels a bit. We'll see what happens next episode. And um, good thing next week, we only have five shows to talk about. Yay! Yay! So it'll be a little bit more streamlined. As you, So hope you guys enjoyed. As usual, I'm Zan. I'm Greta. We're Gonsville. Catch you guys next time. And keep watching TV. See Bye. ya. Yay. <laughs>